0: I figured I'd change it up a little bit.
1: Uh, I keep showing my
0: toes. Paul is missing. He's out covering protests. Biggest news day in Brown's history. Paul's out shooting guns and protests. And uh, Jack, it's just, it's tough to see such a dedicated, devoted member of the Brown's family just completely blow off. The most important news day of the year. I, I I just don't know what I'm supposed to do about this. Uh,
1: I I think we need to let the listeners into to what happens behind the scenes. So uh, the three of us are in a uh, WhatsApp chat, and I first, I just want to things first. First, first. Want to rank?
0: We're gonna rank these. However, no, Paul is a is the member of the group that mostly enjoys the off the field stuff. So Loves any it. yeah, if if Odell's at a bar in England. Paul knows about it. If Joe Schobert's wife posts a cute picture of their son on Instagram, Paul knows about it. If uh, name somebody, I don't know, MJ Stewart has something going on on social media, Paul knows about it. Jack and I don't really follow that much at all. Like, great, Bronx players tweet a lot of stuff. Uh, Jack, they don't even, I don't even think you guys can watch the press conferences really unless they come onto YouTube now because of these rights and all this stuff, right?
1: Yeah, but I'm literally the opinion that I don't care what gets said in any press conference. I don't care what a player does on social media. Um, quite frankly, they're there to play ball, um, any of their personal feelings, opinions. I, I couldn't care less.
0: Well, and, and this is kind of the, the premise of, I think when you're looking for what is our show, what is the value of the Paul Brown podcast outside of the fact that, you know, you have these three dashingly good-looking men on, out here talking about the Browns we try to not get involved in all the, the drama. Like we'll talk about it here and there, if it becomes important, but like we want to focus on what is the impact of the players and how do they impact the performance on the field? And in terms of winning to us is the most important part As Herm Edwards once famously say you play to win the game. Well, we podcast to win the game. So when it relates to the dramas and all that other stuff, I'm not, you know, I'll I'll occasionally tweet out a hot take here and there. Jack will piss off a bunch of people talking about how running backs don't matter, you know, but I said this week, if you're a person that spends time trying to interpret what an athlete means when they put something on social media, I feel sorry for you because listen, this is, I'm going to name drop a little bit here in terms of a wider range of things. I know a lot of guys that have played in the NFL. I know a couple guys that have played professional baseball. And I know like one guy that's played basketball. So In my life, I've been around a lot of professional athletes. The level of depth that fans give these guys is astronomical. I'm just telling you, they are just normal guys. They tweet dumb shit like we do. They think dumb things like we do. If you need an example of that, I heard Aaron Rodgers had a great interview with Pat McAfee, who I find for the brand. I find McAfee to be very entertaining. But like guys say dumb shit. They believe in their mind just like everybody else. So trying to like look at things and create all of these connections and these hidden meanings about why one player liked the video and all this, you're going to drive yourself crazy because none of it actually matters. Most of these guys like the posts of their teammates because it's the cool thing to do. Not because they even understand what the hell the posts are about. So Jack, I don't know if you've turned on the, the old media machine today, but. The Browns, I, I, oddly enough, they were at the top of the headlines. Then Roger talked, and we've now moved, moved to the bottom, which is great. Yeah,
1: so I'm, I'm just going to fill people in the the week that's been for the Browns. And so I had a little look through our WhatsApp chat and just to see where different stuff ranks for what got the most conversation. So uh, as you're all aware, I like a little bit of a flutter. So when the Rogers news came out, I went, hey, let's bet this. And then I just want to say a massive thank you on the record for uh, – Some nice betting advice I got from Ian. So we we had a good 20-30 message thread all about what I should do because I bet KC minus one when the Rogers news came out. 10 seconds later, the bookies shut the bet, and then we decided to hedge it. So fingers crossed
0: KC one score game. But that was the most active conversation we've had on the podcast chat this week. That that is a that is a understanding the middles and the hedges is a crucial part of gambling. So being the fact that you have a, the only thing you could have done to optimize it was taking that Kansas City money line instead of the minus one, you'd only had to give up maybe six or seven cents. But taking that Kansas City money line would have given you the middle of taking that full eight points. Now you only get seven. So if the, I guess the boomer bus would be if Kansas City wins by one, you only go one, oh, and one as opposed to one and one or two and oh. So that would have been the only thing.
1: No, it's one of those that I had to act so quick because if I'd have waited uh, 10 seconds more, then uh, yeah. I wouldn't have got the in. So, so next, number one
0: ranking, Kansas City Green Bay betting advice. Number,
1: number two. two it's actually Browns news. Oh, D- Do you know what came in at number two? Johnny Stanton. Johnny Stanton, we had a long discussion on would Johnny Stanton get claimed because I I tipped it might happen. There is 11 teams who have
0: had a fullback with a rushing play this season. Yeah, that's, that's important. That's important. See, we had to know, you know, a lot of times when players get released, a lot of times teams want to do their due diligence on who is going to be available, who's going to claim them, whatever it is. So I had to know how many people were going to throw in their hat for my guy, your guy, our guy, Johnny football.
1: And just, just to run through. So rankings, Kansas city, New Orleans, Minnesota, Cleveland, LA Chargers, Cleveland, again, uh, Baltimore, Las
0: Vegas, San Fran, Atlanta, Buffalo. So actually 10 teams, because we've so got what a you're double saying is Cleveland. the Browns are the only team in the NFL that have had two different attempts from a fullback.
1: That's stat of the day you should you should tweet that out after the show. Tony gross, Next up just... number 3 we've got oh, another man. bit of sporting discussion. Do you remember what this was in?
0: Uh the hiring of the new manager at The EPL team?
1: No, it was Malmo versus
0: Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea, damn it. Uh, I'm a Chelsea fan, didn't even know the game was going on, and uh, you filled me in. Yeah, Champions League. It was a beautiful pass. Beautiful pass and a great finish for that. So, number four, we finally got there for OBJ Saga (laughs) coming
1: in in the Paul Brown WhatsApp chat. So, that's roughly where we rank uh, the goings-on. And uh, So, let's give it two minutes.
0: Well here and also full disclosure because I have I have put a few things on Twitter about it so I had a Colin Cowhart tweet I responded to Robert Griffin the third I gave my respects to Kim Jones out of the New York um, daily caller I believe she's now has her own sporting publication she's fantastic uh, I mentioned about trying to interpret athletes and stuff that you're absolutely wasting your time then I I've been a little critical of Brown's Twitter I think they've been a little bit uh they haven't been very nice to each other lately. So I put an Oprah one out for that.
1: And
0: then I pretty much made fun of you for attempted one legged man in an ass kicking contest victory lap. Hey. Oh, and then I crucified the Bron- uh, the Broncos Rams trade because everybody said the Rams won when it's clear as day that the Broncos won that trade by a mile.
1: No, without a doubt on that. So, uh, t- a two and a three, um, for one year of Miller is uh, phenomenal value. They had to yeah. be a little bit cap, but, uh, it sets him up nicely for training for crazy Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Um, <laughs> but go. no, just All right,
0: that's our Broncos chat of the day
1: on, uh, the little bit on, uh, John Dorsey. I didn't miss a chance just to kick a bit. John Dorsey, because I, I, in you, you might be able to fill me in with someone, but in terms of hating John Dorsey since day one and not full blown criticism, but uncomfortable and questioning of the OBJ trade when it happened. One of very, 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 very few people that can say they had either of those opinions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's any... If you're new to this podcast, Dorsey and Jack were like oil and water, mainly because...
1: Hugh Dorsey, and
0: Sashi. are is your old football guy, and Jack is this budding analytics... I won't call you a superstar. So I'm going to call Eek. you an, uh, um, a rec league all-star. So <laughs> the idea being that when Jack looked at the trade, he saw the inefficiencies in terms of team building. However, Dorsey knows, and this is where I can gladly defend Dorsey's position on this. And as I, I think it's full disclosure, I was a supporter of Hugh Jackson, still am. I find you to be a fantastic human being, save all your opinions. Freddie Kitchens, I would gladly have a beer with Freddie Kitchens. Sometimes what happens on the field is what it is. In the same sense, I think Dorsey Dorsey was integral in bringing a change to this team that was needed. The Browns were a passive, pushover, laxadaisical team that was mocked just religiously everywhere you turn. And I think what had happened was it created a stigma of the team. And I think Dorsey's taking that light off and putting kitchens under that microscope made him realize the errors in his ways. So the Browns had to then course correct. However, at this point, Dorsey at least did a good job of finding some talented players. I heard this incredibly wise statement on, um, I think it was on the Manning cast where Michael Irvin said these just words of wisdom. He said, you need good players to win games. And just,
1: just to, Clarified John Dorsey's. Uh, there was there was this quarterback he tried to, tried to draft once, and then this other team traded up above them and stole the guy that he wanted. Do you know who that quarterback was?
0: Oh, I've heard this one. It was uh, Mitch Trubisky.
1: No, it was Johnny Football. Was he Johnny Football. he really really wanted to draft Manziel, and the Browns actually traded up, and that was who they traded up. Question: Would Manziel's
0: get... career have been different in Kansas City? Yeah. We don't know. That, the other that... question I have is. I know people, Dorsey's, here's the thing about Dorsey. Dorsey is the modern definition of, or I shouldn't say modern, is the old school definition of masculinity, right? He's your tough football guy. Man. He wears hemp sweatshirts. You know, he sweats his ass off, all these things. And I get it. I dig the sweatshirts but, though. I do love oh, I, I own one. My thing is, is Dorsey was instantly not given credit for the Patrick Mahomes pick. Because allegedly Brett Veach is the one who did all the work and blah, 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 blah. Yet Dorsey's the GM that drafted him. And I hate to break the news to people, but like as the GM, yes, the job of the people beneath you is to find the talented players that you then pick. See Elliot Wolf. You know, he used to go out and find, I think it was Taki Taki. And I think there was a couple other guys that he like found that were good players. So like Dorsey gets no credit from Mahomes a team that ended up winning a Super Bowl with some of the guys he picked. Listen, I hate to break the news to people, but he went out and got Tyreek Hill. He went out and got I believe Chris Jones. So he drafted some of the key pieces there, but he doesn't get credit because it, the way it ended was really weird and Chiefs fans really quickly wanted to move on and give all the credit to Bet- Brett Veach to give him respect and credence in the locker room. It was now so, a
1: nightmare at roster building.
0: <laughs> it's gone it's gone bad quick and we see that when everybody looks at the Browns and says they're four and four look next door to the chiefs. And you say, what the hell has happened to that team? Well, that's beside the point. You have v who can't roster build and You have Andy Reed who has one specific style of offense that if he can't run, it gets ugly quick, but this isn't a chief's podcast. So Dorsey goes and gets Landry, which is just a contract for a slot receiver. You're like, mm-hmm. But okay. I've heard of Jarvis Landry fantasy football note. And I don't use fantasy football in the real world, but like we know who he is. Yeah. Okay. He goes out and gets Odell back and says, you know what, we've now got guys. It took Freddie Kitchens to harpoon that and say, you now need an adult in the room to manage all of these egos, right? And I think that I'll give Dorsey credit for this. At least he was willing to go out and get guys at the time when the Browns had the money to do it, who were going to bring respect. They were going to bring credence to a team that ultimately just needed the right people at the helm to guide them to winning. And I think downplaying Dorsey's impact on the roster as it relates to the team we have now and the team that's winning now is a little bit of a stretch. But purely in an isolated chamber, the Odell Beckham trade didn't make much sense for the Browns at that time. The idea was, I need to get somebody in this locker room that has the status. So I think that move was made a little bit more from a culture standpoint. And then the irony now is the culture of the locker room has now surpassed Beckham. So Beckham was brought in to be that guy that buys the Nike shoes for everybody. That's all the national media guys here. And all of a sudden, Bria and Peter King, all these guys start showing up to Bria because now we're playing in bigger games. We have a guy that is internationally known. Well, now they always say this. And listen, I, I will stand on firm. The NFL is about one thing. When your talent, is no longer above you as a problem, you are gone. I don't this isn't this isn't something that I want to discuss in social media, but when you look at like the Colin Kaepernick's or you look at the Michael Vicks and soon to be Henry Ruggs, the minute your talent exceeds, or I'm sorry, when the minute your problems exceed your talent, you are then dispensable by the NFL. And I think in the case of the Browns, Odell Beckham's ego, Odell Beckham's tantrics and all this other little little tantrums that he runs have exceeded his ability on the field
1: because i think the perfect opposite to that is obviously kareem hunt whose his problems did not constitute the value of his running back when they got rid of him but when that died down a little bit he's shown to be more remorseful who knows whether that's true or not but the signs are there and the balance then turns so it's not saying hey once this happens, you're there forever. But that that can change in the future. But it, it's 100% the way that no one wants that drama. If he was playing like Devontae Adams, sod it. Everyone puts up with the drama.
0: It It's exactly right. Even though Devontae Adams isn't, I am on my fantasy team. I need a few more touch-ins out of you, Devonte. But <laughs> Odell is a lightning rod for a lot of reasons. And actually, I'm just going to say this. I like Odell back I really do. I like the guy I would love and take advantage of any opportunity to hang out with Odell. He seems like a really good dude. He seems like a team friendly guy. You know, there was a great article. Shout out to Jake Trotter who talked about, you know, when Odell first got to Cleveland, the, the over the basically just, the overwhelming support he got from the locker room because he sat with it, all the different uh, groups at the lunch table. He, you know, invited him over to his house for all the free shit he gets from Nike. He bought them all, you know, shoes, including the equipment staff. Like, I think that's the guy that Odell Beckham is. I think Odell Beckham is genuinely a good person. The problem I think Odell has is he still has that immaturity as part of him that sometimes gets the best of him. For example, I think what's happened in this case is he was so upset emotionally at the loss to the Steelers and this concept in his mind that I could have been the person that won the game if they would have done this. And, you know, Jim Tressel, who I will quote, always says, you win with people. And there's this little clip going around about Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham where he says, I want to score a touchdown. Nick Chubb says, I just want to win. Well, Beckham has been a guy who's always kind of been the me over team, but not intentionally. I don't think he's intentionally doing it. And I think what happened is he gets these people in his ears, you know, the Dame Lillard's, the LeBron's, his dad, all these people saying, bro, this is something you're better than this. Like they're holding you back. And he wants to believe that to be true. And he knows as today, his 29th birthday, his time in the NFL is coming to an end pretty soon. Whether he's successful or not, let's be honest, there's not a lot of 35-year-old receivers out there. Mm-hmm. So he only has a set amount of time left in the NFL, and he doesn't want to waste these years where he feels he's strong, like he can go in an offense that's timing and rhythm-based. Because, you know, there's a lot of times we see these screenshots, and Jake Burns does a fantastic job with his film breakdown of showing routes. But at the end of the day, we're, we're – mimicking what we think a route is versus what the coverage is and we see odell wide open in the middle of the field is odell supposed to be there how many times did we look at routes and go why are there multiple receivers in the same area you know he trotter in his article mentioned in the in the denver game from two years ago that odell was supposed to run a mesh route over the middle with jarvis creating the separation but instead he wrote a streak but in the screenshot it showed that Odell had ran past him. Baker looked that way. Baker was looking for the dig. Baker was looking to see what happened on the dig because if Odell hits the dig, Harris drops. Now Odell's open. Well, when he sees him not make the dig, he turns to the next option. He doesn't look to see what continues on after that route. So that may work with a Patrick Mahomes that may work with a Russell Wilson where they can settle and they say, okay, here we go. And then I just throw a moon ball up like Wilson does and guys run under it. That's fine. Beckham may work elsewhere. But Jack, on the field, what are the Browns losing?
1: And I'll just lost there. What are they losing?
0: Yeah, what are the Browns losing? What are they losing by OL oh. Beckham not being out there on Sunday?
1: At the end of the day, it's just the deep threat, which they should easily be able to replicate with Schwartz and uh, Donovan People Jones. Maybe not so much with Schwartz. We don't know where his head's at. To rely on him for 60, 70% of snaps a game.
0: Yeah, and, and listen, I think this is going to give somebody like Donovan Peoples-Jones the opportunity to step up on the field. And, you know, I brought up something that I think may be interesting. This year, we've talked a lot about the Browns' inability to hit those chunk plays beyond 15, beyond 20 yards. We just haven't seen Baker go deep, so to say, as much as we have in the past. How much of that, and this is kind of a rhetorical question, how much of that is because – while Odell does draw coverages, you know, I think the perfect example was a couple of games ago when three guys went to Odell and Hollywood Higgins was wide open underneath the touchdown with Odell not on the field. Do we now see those deep routes open up? Because if now I don't have two safeties over the top, almost like Kansas city, you know, is getting played against the giants having those two deep safeties. Well, if I'm rolling and I'm basically cutting off the deep routes, The Browns then take advantage of the short and intermediate. Well, now what are the chances that maybe a team says, oh, that's Donovan Peoples-Jones. That's not Odell. You can leave single coverage on him. And Donovan Peoples-Jones goes right down the sideline for a 75-yard touchdown like he did last year. I think you may see the Browns' offense open up deep with the elimination of Odell Beckham. And that's weird to say.
1: Yeah, long-term, obviously, we've discussed before the show that we we need that investment there. Um, we're playing a team that has three wide receivers set and all three of those guys are drafted in the first two rounds. Um, and that quality shines through. With Tyler Boyd, with Higgins, with Jamar Chase, um, we need to add more and more talent um, to make sure that we can balance that. Because for as much value as we get from O-line play, O-line play's good. Uh, an elite O line doesn't win you a Super Bowl, an elite wide receiver core with great QB play, that can really then make a difference.
0: Oh, absolutely. And if Bill Callahan is who we, I think we know he is, you can take a guy like a Blake Hans or you can take a guy like a Wyatt Teller who you find later in the rounds, and make serviceable offensive lines out of them. But ultimately. I think you may see something on Sunday. And I. by the way, I'm fully expecting the Browns to light the Bengals up like a Christmas tree. We saw the jets just do it to the Bengals. And we just saw what happened last night to the jets. So I lost for all me the some money <laughs> for all the people out there that are like, Oh, the Bengals are going to come in here and just work the Browns. I don't think the Browns are going to do a fantastic job at stopping those three weapons you talked about. But in the same sense, I don't see the Bengals. I mean, Baker's had their number pretty 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 good since he came into the league so i'll be curious now in essence also by the way i think what the odell beckham news today did is just saved us a bunch of conversations for the rest of the year and in the offseason about why they were going to cut him to save what 15 million dollars next year so we knew this was inevitably coming everybody had said but i think what happened is in this case fans got so attached to him now not having him is what what the issue is but on the field I fully expect the offense to look transformatively different as Baker hits the over one and a half touchdowns, the over in completions, the over in yards. I am taking all the overs because I think he's just going to light them up.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think they'll really want to let him throw, just throw all the time. And um, that's going to be great to see because when the Browns throw a lot, the Browns win a lot.
0: I think also by throwing, you're going to open up the box. Yeah. Because we know Cincinnati's going to try to stop the run like the Steelers did. The only difference is Cincinnati's secondary is not very good. So the Browns should come out in the first half on Sunday. And like you said, throw a lot because that should drop them safeties a little bit. Now Nick Chubb's going to be running against six and seven man boxes, not eight and nine. So I think that's one thing you'll see. Uh, Tight ends, you'll probably see a few of them out wide. I wouldn't be surprised if David Njoku starts seeing a good share of the targets. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden now we're going to see receivers with three, four catches. You're going to see three or four different guys with three or four catches. I think the completions are going to start coming easier. And I wouldn't be surprised if until Kareem hunts back, the Browns continue to utilize Dean Johnson out of the backfield and Demetric Felton. I mean, you've got guys. What, I mean, we talk about Odell's shiftiness and stuff like that. Well, if I'm going to run bubble screens all day, can I just throw those Dimitri Felton? What, what can he do with the ball that Odell can't Or strike that verse? What can't Dimitri do that Odell can do. Make the first guy miss, Seen him do that.
1: No, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I, I'm with you. I think we see a great game out of Baker. Um, the pressure is going to be on him. This, this is going to be – the light is going to shine brighter in this game on Beckham than going into that Steelers game in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, so Ian Rappaport tweeted that the transaction officially did not get processed yep. today by the NFL. So Odell is officially not on the waiver wire. And I know that I tweeted this to Mike Brown's UK. Odell is not going to play on Sunday for anybody because (laughs) even if he was cut today, he still has to clear waivers. Waivers would not be processed until Monday after the week. Therefore he won't even be able to join whoever claims him until probably mid next week. I wouldn't be shocked if that team is playing. That's when they could sign him. He probably wouldn't be able to report until Tuesday. So if that team were to play on Thursday, he's not playing. So I would even question that he'd be available the following week. You probably if he gets claimed, won't see him till about week 11. That'd be my guess. Yeah. And the question is, what about a shoulder? Is he going to pass a physical? with Well, the team to,
1: to be fair, he doesn't follow the playbook anyway, so why wait till week 11?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and listen, I'm not here to, you know, to, I think that having Odell on this team is a good thing. I think I like him the person. I think the locker room likes him, but I, I mean, for all the people wondering, no, I don't think it affects Jarvis Landry. I think he's a professional. I think he wants to get paid just like anybody else. And I don't it think increases don't-
1: Jarvis's chance of getting paid in Cleveland because the thing is only one of those two, two dudes was going to get paid. They knew yeah. that the moment they arrived, they, this, this was time limited. Um, so it was never going to last forever. This was probably going to be the final year of it anyway. Um, lots of people floating the idea of, oh, they're both going to take half the money. So they're both saying, it was f- f- nonsense. Um, no one's writing like 10 million, 15 million out of their uh, earnings for the sake of they want to play with their mate. But
0: <laughs> I'm friends with a lot of people, not that good. of friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love you guys, but man, sorry, give me that 10 milli.
1: Yeah. So it, it's one that it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Baker's now got no excuses, um, which is one that, Lots of people have made excuses either way, and lots of other stuff. The data says he's better without OBJ. Now go prove it. Um, and it's not just one week. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him this week, but you've got a season to do it. And if you're saying he's not the issue and you can throw to anyone and get it going, you've now got the end of the season where we're, we're talking the difference between Baker Mayfield not getting an extension in Cleveland. And then if he's going potentially into free agency or something else, he might sign a deal in the mid twenties. If he goes and lights it up for the rest of the season, we're sat here talking about a 40 million deal. So when we're sat here talking about how important the rest of this season is for Baker, we're talking as a four year deal. um, It might be only two years as a bridge and then down less. He could be on like 2020 like seven and a half, seven and a half. So what's that? 55 million. Or we could be talking about uh, 160 million. So we're talking there's a good 90 million plus on the line with a potentially a third deal coming if he does well. So you are hundreds of millions of dollars are on the line for Baker in the rest of this season. So it's incredible what potentially we're going to see.
0: Yeah. And ironically enough, Baker has proven it without Odell in the field. It's something that people have talked about. Now, are there other reasons for that? Sure. But if Baker wants to prove who and what he is, this is his opportunity to do it.
1: So let's start with um, the betting lines because that's where we tend to start. So um, the Cincinnati Bengals are favored by two and a half points and so two and a half we'll just touch on why that so they're saying less than a field goal so it, it's effectively a slightly weighted pick'em. um if you're going to be honest it's one where anything less than three points is it's a glorified pick'em. um anything between sort of 0.5 2.5 doesn't really matter too much but they certainly oh, especially since the game's
0: in cincinnati yeah games in cincinnati so there's three points there so there's in essence, yeah. saying that it's an equal neutral field pick them they're giving cincinnati the home advantage
1: yeah if you went through three we're sat there talking about three and a half then we're talking about um, a, a sizable chance because of the vast majority of games f- finished by uh, not vast majority vast amount of games um finished by a three-point spread so it's a really 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 important number in betting Um, And it's predicted as a 47 point game. So we're not looking at anything crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple in that sense. Listen, we all know the Bengals right now, you know, this is a team that's ahead of us in the division and we're chasing them. And it's a very important game. It's very important. This is our second game in the division. So the Browns need to go out there. The Bengals at five and three have shown their vulnerabilities this is not a team with a very strong defense. This is not a very good the team that has an ability to protect Joe Burrow. So if you want the keys, the keys is throw the ball early on offense, light them up, and get after Joe Burrow. Because as we saw with what the Jets did, if you can muddy up that pocket, I don't care how good the receivers are down there, if you can get to Burrow's feet and you can hit him early, he can't he can't push the ball down the field, which is what they want to do. So the Browns defense needs to wreck havoc on that offensive line because they ain't very good, and defense needs to light up that secondary because they ain't very good either. So
1: I'm, I'm with you. I, I think we're going to see some uh, some fun. I, I'm going to go with 34-27 Browns.
0: Now I got Browns 37, Bengals 24. Nice. I think it's going to be a whopping. Uh,
1: uh, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm just reaching out to the crystal ball to predict what – Paul's going to say,
0: Paul or Batman?
1: Oh, WhatsApp's licked up. Can anyone guess at home?
0: Give you a chance. Three, two, one. It's 21 20 Browns. Oh, Paul. So predictable. That's just what he is. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just think that this is a game. You know, the Browns are going to take advantage of where they can. I see him going up the middle. The, big, the biggest weakness on that Bengals line, Trey Hopkins at the center position. He's probably one. I think him and the guy from the Bears are like arguably two of the worst in the league. Um, and then outside of that, like I said, you're just, they're, uh, they I don't even know if Jackson Carmen's playing. He's pretty awful too. I think he's a right guard. Cause I think they got, um, Quentin Spain, I think plays left guard for them. So I think Spain's on the left and Carmen's on the right. So they're going to light up that a gap. Like there's no tomorrow. Uh, I want to see big games out of Malik McDowell, Malik Jackson, you guys, big boys in the middle. And then I don't care who the tackles are. Jonah Williams, Riley reef. You're going to have Clowney and Garrett. The fact, by the way, that Miles Garrett gave the guy from the Steelers a 0. 0.0 pass grade, and a lot of people look at that, and they go, how do you do that? It's because on every single pass rep, Miles Garrett won. He, no, he didn't get the sack. No, he didn't get, you know, sometimes always get a hurry. But if your job as a pass rusher is to beat the guy ahead of you, and you do it every single time, that's pretty impressive.
1: Miles Now, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing some magic um i've got some money i i I, i'm a bengals uh truther i i do like the bengals this year got some money on them to make the playoffs uh ridiculously long odds 11 to 4 so uh like plus 275 is that a
0: little under 275 yeah yeah actually uh, but no everybody knows the bengals we know about joe mixon we know about jamar chase we know about burrow boyd we know about higgins we know all those guys So this isn't something, this is a team we've seen before. It's the team we've had success for before, and we just got to go out and play our game. You know, I'm, the rumor is that Denzel Ward will be back. Um, He's back. It looks like Jack Conklin will be out. You know, they haven't officially made that official, but you know, with that elbow, I think Kevin Stavansky said it'd be a couple weeks. So, you know, that'll be one that they'll have to figure out there on the right hand side. Uh, The Bengals do have a couple decent pass rushers. So in terms of keeping the, uh, the pocket cleaned up for for baker that's something they're gonna have to do because you know sam hubbard on one side trey hendrickson their free agent on the other side they're gonna try to get after the passer now these are guys that both get exploited against the run so it's probably one thing you want to do to just kind of get after get up get a lead early throw the ball push there in their secondary eli apple i think we all know about him Von bell has been one of their better performing defenders. But in terms of, you know, their linebackers in coverage, Logan Wilson, not all that great. Jermaine Pratt is struggled in coverage. And, you know, and outside in the end, Chidobia woozy, um, he's been okay. They brought in Mike Hilton to slot. But like I said, this defense is is completely vulnerable to just getting lit up. So I think the Browns are going to do it. I don't know. Is there really much else to say for the Bengals? I'd like to see the special teams do something.
1: Yeah, it, w- it would be a uh, unusual. We haven't seen much out of them, so uh... – no, I, I I think it's going to be a really really fun game. I just want plenty of offense, plenty of scoring, plenty of uh, fun. That's what And I think uh, it is. then I think what the get it out of the way, so then I can watch the KC game
0: <laughs> and hope it finishes on a last minute field goal. Just uh, well, I one want score. want these score. Lovely. Seven it's points. Three points. Four points. All fine. Yeah. Well, that, that's. I listen. now, I'm not even going to tell. There's a third leg to the hedge on this. That you could possibly get into, which we can talk about a little bit about. Think about it live, right? So you got if you got the Packers plus seven and a half, and you got KC minus one, and you got big boy odds on either way. If you need to balance it out, Green Bay money line. Well, take a look at the score. So if Kansas City's up, you can start betting team totals. So you can add a little element in there. Be like, well, if Kansas City's up twenty-one nothing, you could take the Green Bay over twenty then you can't lose these you start boxing in yourself on the other way so you have all these winners hedging live in play Mm -hmm. we'll talk about it in the whatsapp
1: yeah yeah you can update me while i'm half asleep on sunday night (laughs) there you go so all
0: right i think we've gone long on this one so apologies to make you all listen to us a little bit longer paul should be back from his protests and hunting soon enough uh, but outside of that, yeah, let's you know, let's get into the weekend. I think a win will completely push this OBJ story to the back burner. I think a loss is going to bring it to the forefront. So I think the team knows that. Go out, handle your business, get the win, and hey, we gotta go, we gotta move on. Honestly, if you take Odell off the football field, it's not like we're losing much. One catch, six yards. That's all he did.
1: One bit. I'm gonna put it in the end. You, you don't often hear me say nice things about him. I genuinely feel really bad for one person in particular this week, and that is Jarvis Landry. He is the one-person caught right in the middle of this um, that has, I'd say, very little on his shoulders. You can obviously blame Baker. I I, I feel bad for uh, Landry.
0: I believe his game check will be about $700,000 this week. I think he'll be
1: okay. Yeah.
0: So especially as his targets go up a little bit. I, I have a funny feeling we're going to get a taunting penalty after his first first down. Oh, that's not like Jarvis. <laughs> All right, on that note, uh, the, post, the post-Odell the post era for the Browns begins. Let's get it started with a 1-0. Let's make up a ground on the division. Let's move the Bengals to 5-4. Let's bring us up to 5-4 because we got them dirty rat birds in a couple weeks. We need to beat their – I'm
1: so happy this – it wasn't a uh, full-off season of uh, post-ABK, and we got it open in uh,
0: three days. Go Browns.